So Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 10. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. Well, let's get into our Advent series. We're starting Advent today, and I wonder... I wonder if you've ever seen a, a, a new shoot sprouting out of an old tree stump. Have you ever sort of seen that new life coming out of the old tree stump? It's, it is really a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing. It's, it, it, from what looks like is a dead, lifeless stump, we see these sort of new shoots from what has, seems to not be drawing any water from the base, all of a sudden there's something growing up. Shoots of green that bring a sense of hope. Hope that there might be life that came out of what seemingly seemed like death. I remember uh, going for a drive uh, way back um, when we had that Black Saturday a uh, long time back now, from Hillsville to Warburton. And it was six months after the fires. And it was, it was quite eerie because what used to be thick green bush was now quite a desolate sort of wasteland. It was sad to see an area that I'd, I'd known quite well. We used to drive through there all the time. We used to love the drives. Now looked burnt like a burnt lot of undercarriage. But we started to, when we looked past that, we started to see... What remained of or the, these, these new shoots of, of ferns coming through, just tiny, tiny new shoots of green coming through. The forest was starting to regenerate. And out of the desolation, there was starting to be sprouts of life. Now, I've been looking forward to this Advent series for a little while because as we begin Advent, the, the lead up to Christmas, it, it, it starts to see, um, we start to see this, this all get a, a re energizing of life, don't we? We see a Christmas tree, and Corinne and was it Corinne and Joe, I think, put that tree together. I just think that's the most beautiful tree. So thanks, Corinne, you've done such a great job. And Joe. Um, but, but we start to see little bits of life sprouting up. We can be out in our community again. We can be, have many of us here, and I know some of you are meeting together at home as well. And, and all the hardships that have gone through this year, all, all the pain that we've had to endure, 
All the things that we thought couldn't get worse in 2021 got worse in 2021. But finally, this idea of Advent, this Christmas is like having some, some shoots come out. Christmas is here and there's some new life again. And that new life comes in the form of the baby Jesus. And I know there's still many questions that revolve around this year. How's it going to work? How's things going to look next year? And I know that we hear of a new strain of this Omicron starting to make its way through South Africa and the nervousness that it comes and it brings. It'll be easy to only see the desolation of the last two years. For those of you over the last year or so who have lost a loved one and not been able to grieve in the way that we might have three, four years ago. For those of you who have lost income and life has changed. For our students who have had to learn in an environment that just hasn't suited them. It's sometimes hard to see through the, 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 the desolation that is in front of us. Because the first glimpse is that burnt undergrowth. Yet there is hope. And that's what I want to bring to you this morning. There is hope. God always has a new shoot sprouting out around us. Regardless of how desolate the land may look, there's always a new hope. So this Advent, we're going to look at those little shoots of hope that the, um, through the book of Isaiah. And we can be encouraged that regardless of how the land looks around us, that God has new hope, uh, new sprouts of hope sprouting. So let's pray and we'll get stuck into this text in Isaiah. Our Lord God, we pray that as we look into the word this morning, that you will use it to impact our lives. Lord, help us to understand it. Help us to um, be able to see how that lives in our life into the future. Amen. So a bit of a background to the climate that uh, Isaiah speaks or writes into at the moment, uh, at, this, at this stage. It all sounds quite disastrous for Isaiah. See, the verse 1 says, out of the stump of Jesse. It's not out of a flourishing rainforest of Jesse. <laughs> it's not out of the blooming fields of Jesse. It's out of a stump of Jesse. We had a, a tree lopped in our backyard quite a, a while ago, and all that's left is this stump. The, they, the, they made sort of grooves into the, the tree, and they poured diesel into the, the groove, so the, the tree would just be totally dead. Its roots were ruining our fence. It was just a, dropping all these purple things and making a mess of our yard. So we got rid of it. So it's a stump. It really is a stump. The chickens love sitting on it. <laughs> That's what the text says. Out of the stump. A stump is generally something that's not alive. But out of the stump, something seemingly dead, a lineage that seemingly would be dead, Jesse, something's happening. Something is being brought to life. So who's Jesse? Well, Jesse was King David's father, wasn't he? So, and, and what was the promise that was given to King David? David was the, he was the second king of Israel, wasn't he? So the first being King Saul. Because King Saul, he looked the part. He looked like he should be a king. Whereas David, he was a shepherd boy. He wasn't even considered by his father worthy to come before Samuel to be considered for king. Yet 
God chose him because Samuel called David a man after God's own heart. And indeed, in 2 Samuel um, chapter 7, verse 16, this promise was given to him. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established for how long? Forever. The promise to David, or the Davidic covenant as it's known, is that God will keep this kingly line of David alive. Generation after generation after generation. Or not take it away from him as he did with King Saul. So after David died and Solomon, who was David's son, was succeeded by his son Rehoboam, the 12 tribes of Israel, they split. Ten northernmost tribes sort of um, refusing to submit to Rehoboam. The split created Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Both of them sought their own king to rule and to protect them. They want a king like the other nations. So if you trace through the book of kings and the kings that go through this time, you'll learn that, that king after king after king were no good. With the exception of eight of the kings of eight of the kings of Judah, of Judah all the kings were bad kings. And every one of Israel's kings were really bad. So when the nation of Israel were hoping for a king in the first place, they were, they were, they were, they were acting in disobedience anyway to God, weren't they? They were saying, give us a king to be like the other nations. God had already been their king. God had already protected them through so much before. And it's like they sort of forgot. They forgot that they were different. They were the set-apart ones. And so they asked for these earthly kings, and it didn't go so well for them. So in 922 BC, they're split into Israel and Judah, and the next sort of 200 years, there are all these bad kings, except for the eight okay kings in Judah. So this was around 722 until 722, when Assyria came and, and conquered Israel. A small remnant went through to Judah. About 100 years later, the Babylonians came through and overran Judah and took their best craftsmen, took their wealthy elite and took them into exile. And that's where you find the likes of Daniel and Nehemiah. Anyway, Isaiah comes into the picture with the capture of Israel and, and the Assyrians that have got them. And in Isaiah 10, he paints a pretty bleak outlook for the Israelite nations. It says this in Isaiah 10, verse 24. He says, My people who live in Zion, do not be afraid of, this in, uh, the, of the Assyrians, who beat you with a rod and lift a club against you. That's not ideal, is it? Not, not what anyone wants. <laughs> the Assyrians are pretty nasty. They came and destroyed. What was this once great hope for the son of Jesse, King David and his lineage, the future kings of his line, has now seemingly become a desolate wasteland of Assyrian power. The Davidic promise sort of seems lost, and hope at this stage seems gone. Metaphorically speaking, it's all the great trees that once were part of Israel are now nothing but tree, trump, tree stumps, terminated from where nothing seemingly can grow. Yet out of the stump of Jesse, a seedling, a sprout, hope. One morning that I'll never forget was a morning that uh, we woke to uh, a guttural cry from our neighbour. And it was one of those cries that stick in your ears because you don't hear it very often. And it was a, a wrenching, a heart-wrenching cry. 
and we found out that our neighbour at 5am in the morning had received the knock on the door by the police that their son had been killed in a car accident. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. We went and spent a little bit of time with them. What do you say in those situations? Where do you find hope in that situation? I was in the city this week with, uh, with Jamie McLaughlin. We went to the Melbourne prayer breakfast. It was a great morning, fantastic. But as we walked along the Melbourne streets, shop after shop after shop was empty, for lease signs everywhere. And I couldn't help but think of the businesses that have had to close. People's entire sort of life have had to be shut because of COVID, uncertain of when they can get back into shops. How do you find hope in those situations? I was at an auction last week. I wasn't buying, so I'm not moving anywhere, but I was at an auction last week. And I, I, I enjoy watching the auctioneer do his thing. But there were two bidders on this house, only two. They were both young couples, one with kids, one without. And the bids just kept going higher and higher and higher. And I watched the couple with the kids. They were confident. They were getting this house regardless of how high the price went. If I was the other couple, I'd be going, oh, I'm cutting my losses now. <laughs> but they just kept on going, oh, can we go up higher? And you could see them really straining as they kept on going higher. Maybe this is the one where they have to stop. In the end, the couple with the family got the house for a price that seemed ridiculous, to be honest. I went and chatted to the auctioneer afterwards and said, Oh, that's, that's heart-wrenching. I, I really felt for this young couple. And he said, you know what? This young couple have been at four or five auctions now and have missed out on every single one of them. I was gutted for that couple. I thought maybe lower your standards a little bit, but I was gutted for that couple, you know? They were distraught. If you've been in the house market recently, you'll know it's a tough market. How do you find hope when you keep missing out? Yet out of a stump, a seedling grows. Hope, although it can't be seen in the specific moment, is still available when God is present. Hope, even though you can't see it right now maybe, God, it's there when God is present. And Isaiah sees new hope for Israel. And with that new sort of life, there is hope. One that comes out of the line of David. The stump of Jesse, the Davidic covenant in Isaiah's eyes, is alive. I wonder what the people of Israel were thinking at that stage. This hope seems so distant. It seems non-existent. They've been pummeled by the Assyrians, yet out of a stump a seedling grows. So what does that hope look like for them? What did it look like? Is it going to be another king? At this stage, they might just scoff at Isaiah. All the other kings haven't lived up to the standard that they should anyway. So what's going to be different about a new king coming in? What's going to be different about this, this sprout from Jesse? What's being offered here, Isaiah? Well, the remainder of the text tells us, uh, about, uh, tells us sort of split into two sections. It tells us what this king going to be like, its character of the king. And also tells us the effect that the king is going to have on the world. So we're going to look at that. So firstly, what's this new king look like? The first thing we notice in verse 2 is that the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. If we go back to the first king, King Saul, he was a king that was chosen because of his stature. He looked the part, didn't he? He was 
tall. He was, looked like he was uh, going to be great for them as a king. His resume was one of conquer. Indeed, God had already said that the, the Hebrew people don't need an earthly king. But if there was ever to be a king for the people, maybe Saul was going to be it. This new king's got a different resume. The, the perfect king is, is first and foremost the one with whom the spirit of the Lord is resting on. Not one who, who is going to be the conqueror physically. Not one who has the, the, the best strategies to defeat in war. But one with whom the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. One of my favorite theologians is Walter Brueggemann. He writes about this and he says this, The Spirit of Yahweh is a force that enlivens, that gives power, energy and courage so that its bearer is recognized as one designated who has the capacity to do what the world believes impossible. How good is that? Has the capacity to do what the world believes impossible. That's what the Spirit of God does within the, those who believe in him. Have you come across someone like that? That, that they're, they're, There's something about them that's so infectious that it makes you think, hey, your prayers, I believe that God could do anything. They generate possibility where maybe there was nothing before. These are the people whose lives are, are, are Holy, um, Holy Spirit guided. It's got nothing about to do with being an introvert or an extrovert. It's not about having an infectious personality. It's about the Spirit of God in our lives. The thing I used to love about being a youth pastor when I was a youth pastor was to watch young people grow from, from these sort of year seven kids up to year 12. And, and you see them sort of grow in their faith along the journey. In the UK, I, was, uh, I did a fair bit of work in the local school. Uh, there was only one big high school in the, in the area, and I was able to do a fair bit of work. I was blessed to have the opportunity to be in that school and doing some stuff. And I ran a, I ran a sort of a student-focused sort of program, like the, um, what Youth Dimension programs used to be. I did it after school, and so the kids didn't have to stay. They, they weren't there uh, to do anything. They, they could have gone home. But a lot of kids... In our area, their parents would be up in London. We were down south. The parents would be up in London for work. So the kids would be going home to nothing anyway. So they said, hey, Pete's got chocolate. We'll go. Sort of worked. <laughs> so, but anyway, I would, I would always share a story or some sort of talk to these young people. And I'd get 50, 60 kids into this program. And one time, a friend, uh, a person brought a friend, a young lady brought a friend along. This, this young girl, she engaged and listened to the talks more so than engaged and listened and got involved with the games and stuff that I do. One day she was really impacted by one of these talks and she came to me afterwards and she said, I've been listening to your talks and I'm really taken by them and I want to know who this Jesus person is. I want to live in that way. I was, like, I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is through the school. It's fantastic. So she said her story and she heard my story and we intersected God's story into that as well. And, and seen how God could integrate into her life. And she asked Jesus to be her Lord and Saviour that day. What a blessing that was. That was so good. But it wasn't just that. It didn't stop there. Because you could see after she accepted Christ, she was pretty raw in faith. She didn't grow up in the church. But after she accepted Christ, she just she wouldn't stop coming to anything that we ran. It was great. It was good to have someone that was really positive. But you could see the vibrancy about her. She wanted to tell everyone about Jesus. 
She went to Bible college. She ended up exploring mission and uh, went out on the mission field. This is just a, a kid that just showed up one day. There was a very real presence of the Spirit of the Lord with this young lady from her decision that she made at school. The Spirit of God at work in someone. You see it in people that you meet and you go, I reckon they're a Christian. You've seen that. (laughs) You might have experienced it in your own life or someone might have described you in this way. Or maybe you look back at yourself 10, 20, 40 years ago and think, that described me. I used to live that way, but lately it's been tough. And the things of the world sort of came in around me and COVID hit and hardships hit and I made decisions that didn't quite fit into what I was thinking about. I went my own way. I did things of my own strength and I didn't rely on God and the Spirit of God anymore. You know, the wonderful thing about God is that out of a stump, uh, a seedling sprouts. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. You can once again live in that same spirit. The spirit of God can move within us in amazing ways. Come back to him and allow the spirit to work in you. This new shoot, the, the sprout from the stump of Jesse, it's, this is the new king they're talking about. The, the spirit of the Lord is in him. He's going to be set apart. He's going to be different. Verse 2 tells us, that he'll have the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. These combine to bring new possibilities where there were none before. If we're looking at a resume, we might say that this king's resume starts with the character of a king, but also the character of God. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. Going to the second part, verses three, um, the second half of verse 3 to verse 5, set out the role that this king will conduct. This role is one of, of judge, who's come to sort out conflict, settle disputes, to bring some security to the community, and assurance of well-being to all people. The, the, the Israelites, they needed that at that time, didn't they? They were in a space that wasn't theirs. They needed that assurance. But if we listen to these verses that Rowan's read, our ears will ring with justice and equality for all people, especially for the the poor and the vulnerable. Let's read from verse 3. It says, He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Don't know if you hear it, but it sounds like a king of hope to me. Imagine being the sandals of the Israelites at that stage, many of whom would have lost friends and lost family many of whose lives would have been turned upside down at this stage of their life. doesn't sound too dissimilar to our lives now, does it? Because over the past few years, our lives have been turned upside down, haven't they? They've changed drastically. We're in a new post-COVID world, whatever that happens to mean. We don't necessarily have the Assyrians chasing us down. 
but we have challenges to overcome that don't look easy, don't we? Hearing that the new king is to come, this one that will, will, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon, who will judge, who will bring righteousness and justice, hearing about that brings hope, doesn't it? This king to come is a king of hope for all who feel hopeless. This king will give hope to the oppressed. This king will not be swayed by the draw of money or possessions or power. This king will not allow earthly things to get in the way of his rule. This king is a king of justice, a king of equality. This is a king of the kingdom. This new king, this shoot out of the stump of Jesse, this king's going to be different. And this king will bring with him a, a new way of, of life, a transformed creation. And we hear the transformed creation in the next parts of our verses, in verses 6 to 9. It says, The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. When the coming of a new king, the king with a different form of governance will usher in a new creation, one where relationships will no longer have hostility or fear, and there will be peace and togetherness, even for species that have been enemies forever. The wolf and the lamb living together? The goats, no longer just dinner for the leopard. <laughs> the calf and the lion will feed together and be civil. After you. <laughs> a child leading a hungry lion. The cow and the bear feeding together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play, play near the copper's den. No, my kids aren't doing that. <laughs> the young children will put their hand in the viper's nest. Don't let your children do that at the moment. <laughs> it sounds like a scene from the movie Utopia. Has anyone seen the movie Utopia? Good movie. Go and see it. Yeah, a couple of people. It's an awesome movie. Um, it's a kid's animated movie. It is fun. It's lots and lots of fun. All the animals are living together in this, this utopian world, I suppose. Uh, they're no longer chasing each other, no longer attacking or eating one another. There's a scene where the little bunny who wants to be a police officer, uh, she arrives in this big city and all the animals are arriving in from different directions and, uh, and different ways to get to their workplaces. Giraffes come through the big tunnels, the hippopotamus through the canals and um, <laughs> they've got big dryers at the end so that it dries their suits off because they've been in the canals and all that. Little animals go through little doors and they're all there together working in harmony together. It's a quite a good sort of example of maybe what this new thing with the new kingdom might look like. Because from the, the, the stump of Jesse, a sprout is formed. And this sprout will be a new king. And a new king will have a transformed creation. One that is with total peace and harmony. Sounds really good. A place where we don't need zoos anymore. <laughs> we don't need to fear. This is the impossible possibility of the new creation under the reign of the righteous king. The one whom the spirit of the Lord is upon. The coming king will not only do what the world sees as possible, 
but also what the world has declared impossible. The new world is one where where widows and orphans are no longer treated differently to anyone else. It's where the poor are not oppressed by the rich or the strong. It's a world where there is no fear and there is no terror. It's a king of hope. This is a stump with new growth and exciting possibilities. And perhaps in the state that the nation was in at that time, they may not have fully grasped what that looked like or what that really meant. They might not have really got the vision. Maybe some of them did. Yet as we sit here 2,700 years later, we celebrate the beginning of Advent. And we see the shoot growing out of the stump of Jesse in the form of a baby. A baby that came to show a new way of governance. A baby for whom a star pointed to him, to whom angels pronounced his arrival, to whom threatened the rulers of his day, so much so that they wanted to get rid of him. A baby for whom the Spirit of the Lord has rested upon. And through this baby, the hope of a new creation, of a new way of life, is being born. The hope of peace. In this world, the hope of a world without oppression and fear, a world where the rich are not just getting richer but are serving the poor and the afflicted, a world where roles of the world today become upheaved and a new way of peace is formed. We still don't see the lions and calves being led by children, and we don't let the wolves into our lamb's pen. And I keep putting my chickens away at night because the, um, the foxes are still around. But I wonder. Is that because we still only see the stump and we miss the shoot coming through? God, through Jesus Christ, is continuing to bring peace into the world. And we may only hear the, the negative through our media. We may only see the hardships. But he's the one that brings peace into our hearts. And as the shoot sprouts from the root of Jesse, so the same shoot sprouts into each of those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And we start to see God moving in and through his people. From the stump of Jesse, a shoot sprouts in each of us. It was a vision for Israel in a time of desolation. But maybe it's our hope through Christmas 2021. Let me pray. Our Lord and God, we thank you for this text that helps us see that there is hope even when it looks like disaster and desolation. We thank you, God, that we see uh, from the past that you are doing a good thing. And that even though it's still hard, that God, you are with us. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.